Hi, welcome to Cinema Scene on Garden Web University Radio, WGWG.org. Noel T. Manning II here, uh, as uh, always, uh, hanging out uh, this week with a with a, a friend that we've connected with uh, several years ago, Sean O'Connell. Uh, Sean is the uh, movie content director at Cinema Blend. He's also um, on WCNC, the NBC affiliate in Charlotte, North Carolina, every Friday. You can check out movie reviews there that he does. And uh, what is the uh, what, what's the other affiliate that you're on for radio, Sean? Uh, I do WBT AM radio, uh, Charlotte Talks. Uh, they, I do their morning station on Fridays uh, with Bo Thompson, who's been doing it for a while. So uh, people get to hear me on a different radio station uh, once a week in Charlotte. That's right. So you can check out Sean, uh, all of those places, and uh, the website, uh, cinemablend.com. Is that correct? That's correct. Awesome. A uh, lot lots of things there as well. You do movie reviews and also movie news uh, with Cinema Blend. Sean, give me a little background on how how you got involved in Cinema Blend because that really has just exploded, and it's a, it's a must to source for for movie news for so many people. Well, I just I was freelancing for them. They were one of my outlets um, when I was a freelance writer. I worked for the for a community newspaper here in Charlotte for a while, and then that went you know the way of community newspapers, sadly. Um, and everything shifted online, which is the direction that a lot of this stuff is going nowadays. Uh, even even watching uh, video take over as people go to YouTube and all these other different ways to to channel yourself on social media. Um, so Cinema Blend was, uh, like you said, a competitive news site. I think there were a number of different outlets that we uh, look at as rivals who are all sort of in the same game of taking what's reported in the trades or what's directly reported by the studios and, and you know, uh, converting it to an audience of people who don't necessarily want to follow the inside baseball elements of the industry, but right. just want to keep track of the projects that they're interested in and, and casting news and, and advancements in terms of these ma- uh, massive franchises, some of which we're going to talk about as we get into the summer season. So um, I freelanced with Cinema Blend for a while and when an editor position opened up, I was able to uh, carve out a niche, and, and we've sort of uh, pushed it forward from there. We've got writers from coast to coast, and we've got offices in St. Louis, but we, uh, you know, we've got people in New York and L.A., and we do some traveling to go to where the, the movie news is happening. There's a lot happening down here, too. Atlanta's a big market for, for movie developments, and a lot of news comes out of there. So, you know, it, it's a daily beat, and we like to work it as hard as we can, but we, we're thankful for everybody who comes to read their movie news with us. Yeah, you're right. As far as a uh, movie happening in the South, uh, movies happening in the South, we don't see quite as much in North Carolina anymore um, for a lot of reasons. Uh, the past few years... Tragic reasons. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the past few years, we've really seen kind of a dry spell starting, starting to happen, and it's, it seems to be getting worse. And, uh, you know, I've, you and I both have got, uh, got some f- friends in the industry uh, and some that, you know, have always wanted to film in North Carolina. And they say, you know what, I, I'm leaving. You know, I'm, I'm, this is my yeah. state, but I'm leaving. I'm having to go somewhere else. It's just not, uh, I, I can't do my business here anymore. Well, um, Georgia really put a lot of distance between us and them. Um, yep. We were neck and neck for a little while. And there was, a, there was a point where we had, you know, a couple of big TV shows in Homeland and a few Showtime shows. And, yeah. You know, people like uh, Disney and Marvel were sniffing around us and, and shooting in Wilmington. I like to point out that the uh, third Iron Man, Iron Man 3, filmed entirely in Wilmington. Right, right. And uh, the Hunger Games, uh, the first Hunger Games shot here in Charlotte and used, you know, a lot of the, the wooded areas around us, but then used a converted tobacco factory for uh, for their green screen work. And, and at the time, they, they kept saying, boy, if Charlotte just had, you know, uh, one facility that we could use for a lot of our effects work, this is such a great region to shoot in. And we had an opportunity to really take a leap, and uh, and unfortunately, our leaders, you know, 
dropped the ball. Yeah. They, they didn't want to put their attention on, on the arts. They went in a different direction. And, and once we hesitated uh, as a state, uh, Georgia pushed hard, and, uh, and, and they've surpassed us. I was recently down at that Pinewood facility outside of Atlanta, and it's spectacular. And, you know, there's a number of huge facility, uh, a number of huge productions that are shooting down there. Not just not just Disney and Marvel, although they do a lot of their work down there. But Sony's down there. Warner Brothers shoots down there repeatedly. Um, they took business away from Louisiana, and they took business away from us. And now Georgia is a hub, and I don't see it changing anytime soon. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, what is the uh, the the biggest movie news that you feel is is something that uh, that just your general moviegoer needs to know about this happening well, right now? I mean, we it's, superheroes are are really you know superheroes and superhero movies contend uh, continue to be the the bread and butter of this yeah, yeah. of this news beat, particularly for people who are really interested in major franchises that are going to continue for the next few years. Because every major studio, when you look at it now, you know every studio is dabbling in all different kinds of of pictures, but every studio has to have some type of superhero property, whether it's Disney having Marvel and all of the Marvel films that come with it. Warner Brothers is obviously invested in the DC Cinematic Universe. Fox has Deadpool, which is one of the most surprising films this year in yeah. terms of its success. But they're also investing heavily in the X-Men franchise and recasting. Um, so, And the studios that don't have superhero properties, uh, studios like Universal, they uh, are looking for a way to sort of break into that, that field and work the properties that they have. Now, Universal is very lucky in the fact that they've got the Jurassic World franchise and the Fast and Furious franchise, which, you know, some might consider Fast and Furious a type of superhero property, um, but <laughs> it's just, uh, that's the news that every single day when we get, when we get on to write, I think yeah. we could always find a half dozen superhero stories that are going to get a lot of attention from our readers. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, uh, spring and summer is always a, an interesting time for franchise films, uh, sequels, prequels. Uh, you, you throw them all in the mix. Uh, this spring has been no different uh, for that. We've seen, you talked about superhero, we've seen some superhero uh, franchises already starting to come back and, and kind of launch. The er, I call this the preseason uh, the preseason for summer, and, uh, and it started pretty early. Uh, you know, you mentioned Deadpool. That was uh, back in February, and right. you know, big, big surprise uh, for a lot of people, um, just the, the amazing success for that. And what do you think, uh, what do you think is, is attributed to that success for, uh, for Deadpool that's actually still in the top 15 um, for, uh, for weekend box office? Well, I mean, a couple of different things, and some of them are really obvious. Um, they made a movie that's, that was in tune with the character. Um, he's a difficult character, I think, to put on screen unless you commit to him fully. He's foul-mouthed. It's very violent. Um, it had to be R-rated. You know, Deadpool is not Superman. He's right. not uh, pious. <laughs> he's not for everyone. Right. But if you do him the right way, the fans are going are to respond. Um, I think releasing it in February when there wasn't a ton of competition was very, very smart. And I think as we start to look at when movies are released, um, especially as studios keep planning ahead as far out as they do and snatching up viable uh, weekends, movies have to start thinking outside of the box. You can't just open in May, June, or July and make your money back anymore. You have to go after windows like February, uh, October, places where it's not as competitive. But, you know, Noel, this is, this is self-explanatory. If you make a good movie, <laughs> right. people are going to find it. Yeah. Uh, word of mouth is going gonna, is gonna to spread, you hope, and enough people are going to say, Hey, Deadpool was really good. You know, if you like superhero movies and if you want something that's a little bit edgier and raw, go out of your way to see it. And people who don't normally go to the theaters um, probably went out of their way to check that one out. You know, it was it was very funny. It was built to be a crowd pleaser. You yeah. didn't have to know a lot about the hero or read the comics to enjoy it. 
Uh, it had a lot of things going for it, and I think what the, the smartest thing Fox did was they kept the budget low, and they told the creative team, look, go make the Deadpool movie that you need to make. Yeah. And, uh, and audiences really responded to it. Yeah, it was, it was a different kind of superhero film, if you want to call it a, a different kind of superhero film. $58 million, you mentioned, low budget uh, for films like this. Uh, you know, we're talking about normally these kinds of films are upwards in the, the $250 million and up uh, right. to do these kinds of films. So Deadpool, I mean, way under that. Um, and, uh, you know, there will definitely be a sequel uh, if, uh, if the indication of what the uh, total gross of this thing uh, has to say about it. Uh, oh, that's absolutely. for sure. Sure. Uh, you know, another superhero film that actually came out to mixed reviews: uh, Batman versus Superman: Dawn of Justice. I want to get your thoughts on that now that you've had a chance to kind of digest it, sit back a bit, and uh, and, and and maybe think about it a little bit more. Uh, I I'm one of the people who who have defended this film, which I find very strange because <laughs> okay. I, I didn't like Man of Steel. I, I Man of Steel had a lot of problems to me. And I understood the choices that Zack Snyder was making with it, going in a sort of sci-fi direction with all the Krypton stuff and, and exploring Superman in, in the very early stages and him not really understanding his powers. And, you know, the collateral damage discussion that continued to plague that film I thought was really, really interesting because, um, you know, this is a problem that happens in almost every blockbuster movie. The Avengers, as an example, which is a Marvel movie that everybody tends to adore, you know, New York got really messed up by the alien invasion. Right, yeah, yeah. But for whatever reason, they decided to pin that, that one on, on Man of Steel, and it couldn't shake it. So anyway, going into this one, um, my expectations were very low, and so from that, for that reason, I enjoyed it. I liked a lot of what they did. Now, I went to go see it a second time then. I brought my son back the second time, because the first time we started at the press screening, and, and I started to realize, okay, well, it's over long, and, and here's, this, there's a good spot toward the end that you could say, Let's, if we end it right here, the last half hour or so isn't, isn't as necessary, and you could have had a much tighter, obviously you could have a much tighter right. version of that film and it would work better. But I really enjoyed Ben Affleck and what he tried as Batman. I thought it was a great Batman movie, yeah. um, yep. and, and not quite a good Superman yeah. Yeah. movie. Yeah. And all of the setup for the Justice League, which, again, I understand in this day and age of multiple properties and one movie has to set up several movies, and I accept that. Like, it's, it's not great. You should serve the movie that you're serving. And I understand that studios are sort of locked in this format that they have to tease things. But I liked that stuff. I thought Wonder Woman was, was interesting. Mm-hmm. I liked the little Flash cameo. Did it all make sense? No. But, <laughs> but I enjoyed it while I was watching it, and so I didn't fault it as much as every... Like, I mean, people really got their knives out for this yeah, one. So. Yeah. Well, I, I'm with you. I, Affleck, I thought, was great. I absolutely right. loved the Batman element of it, and I enjoyed the, the uh, Wonder Woman elements of it as well. Um, but the Superman, you know, not as much. Um, no. I think Marvel really did it well. And, and DC's having to play catch-up in, in films. Um, well, I'm saying that with a, with a little caveat. Definitely the, the Dark Knight trilogy, that's a whole other thing. Um, but with, with what DC's trying to do with this Justice League, they're really playing catch-up. Because yeah. Marvel, for years, um, planned it out. And, and they planned it out so well... Um, I felt like leading up to the Avengers, it was done so, but it was it was done so in a in a tease fashion that made sense within each film. You didn't feel yeah. like it was being crammed in, and that was a little what I felt when I watched Batman versus Superman. I'm like, okay, they're trying to cram all this in to set it up really quickly for this uh, you know for this Justice League film, and and I felt like it was just too much and and too long. But but I absolutely love ba- uh, Affleck. I think he was absolutely the perfect choice. 
for that role. And, um, you know, you really got this sense of he's just this, you know, he's this, this middle-aged guy that's, you know, still trying to find himself. And it's really, really interesting the way they were able to pull that together. So I'm, I'd, I'd love to see a standalone, um, you know, Batman film with Affleck. I know there's, there's talk about it, and, and there's, uh, you, you have any insight on, on if that's going to happen? He apparently has a script um, that he's worked on that he would like to do, um, and they would like to see what, what DC did in an effort to, as you say, catch up with Marvel. They're very, they're very much in a respond mode. You know, they have to sort of prove that they're going to do exactly what Marvel did. So they've claimed all of these dates for these movies that who knows if they're ever actually going to happen. They, right, have, right. they have a Green Lantern movie dated for 2020. You know? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Who knows if we're ever going to get there? They haven't cast it. But, so now they've seen that people have responded well to, to Ben Affleck's Batman, so they start to backtrack a little bit. Oh, wait a second. Well, maybe we won't put the Aquaman movie where we said we were going to. Maybe we'll push that back a little bit and we'll we'll get Ben Affleck to do his solo Batman movie because they have a script idea and he's committed to doing it. But, you know, Affleck would like to continue directing. He's an right. Oscar-winning director. Oh, no, yeah. he didn't win the Oscar. I'm sorry. He's an Oscar-nominated director. Um, and he's getting a little bit older. Not that he's an old man, necessarily, but he's getting older to play the Batman. That was the gamble of, of, of rolling the dice on an older Bruce Wayne. Like, it was an interesting way to get into Batman versus Superman but if it were to hit the way that it did, and if people really wanted to see more of Ben Affleck, realistically, how many more movies can he make before he's you know, pushing 50? It's the right. problem they're running into with Robert Downey Jr. How many more Iron Man movies can they make with Downey um, where he's realistically going to be able to play Tony Stark as he gets into his uh, early 50s? Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Really interesting. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, uh, the spring also, a few other sequels popped out in My Big Fat Greek Wedding 2. Um, if you talk about a long-awaited sequel, definitely a long-awaited sequel. Uh, then a prequel and a sequel in the Huntsman Winter's War. Let's get your thought on both of those. Uh, I did not see my Big Fat Greek Wedding. Okay. Too. All uh, right. Okay. But I'm impressed at, at the business that it's pulling in. It's made $55 million so far, and I would not have guessed that that would be the case because I just figured the time had passed on that film. And we run into a lot of... Movies that could could do just as well on home video, like that doesn't seem like the kind of one that you have to go to the theater to see, but it proves that there is a built-in audience for that movie. The people that came out for the first one um, were definitely looking forward to seeing what happens with that family next, so that did really well. Now, the problem with The Huntsman, Winter's War, is that this was a sequel that was supposed to fix all of the things that went wrong with Snow White and The Huntsman. Right. Uh, it got rid of Kristen Stewart. It placed its focus <laughs> yeah. on Chris Hemsworth yeah. and, and uh, Charlize Theron. But it, to me, it regurgitated all the same mistakes that the first one made. It was, it was dull. It looked disinteresting. It put Theron on the shelf for the longest time. It sort of proved that they didn't have anything really new to say in that franchise. And I think audiences just realized this is the same movie that we've seen. You know, we're not going to pay to see it again. And, and it really flopped hard. Yeah, yeah, it did. And there were a couple others that were, were part of franchise-related films, uh, the Divergent series, Allegiant, and then... 10 Cloverfield Lane, which was kind of uh, in the same universe as Cloverfield, uh, but those were also some others that were, uh, and, and then, of course, God's Not Dead, too, if we're going to throw out some, some more sequel-related uh, films. Um, what are some films this spring that just really uh, blew you away, surprised you, either in a good way or a bad way? Uh, the biggest surprise to me was The Jungle Book. Okay, uh, okay. I, yeah. I didn't really see a need for it. Right. Um, I didn't think that audiences were going to... So the family audiences were going to respond to it because it looked a little bit too dark. It looked a little bit too menacing. Um, and you run into this a lot with the Disney stuff, too. If, if we can watch it at home on a, on a DVD for free, the animated version, of course, 
Why are we going to pay to come see it in a live-action film, and especially one where everyone's telling me we've got to see it in 3D, which is going to raise the, the cost of the price to bring a family to the theater? But, Noel, I've stopped doubting uh, John Favreau. Yes, <laughs> yes. I mean, he just knows how to make a great film. Yeah, he does. Um, I loved Chef, and I didn't think it was going to be much of anything. Yep. Uh, Zathura is really great. Uh, for people who haven't seen Zathura, go seek that out as uh, these two siblings stuck at home playing a, a sci-fi board game. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, he, he whiffed a little bit on Cowboys and Aliens, but he's a great storyteller. And everything about this movie was just wildly entertaining. The only time that it stumbled a little bit for me is when they sang. It's when they had to fit the songs in from the, from the original movie. But everything else about it, it was stunning. The the. The special effects were great. The pacing of it was incredible. Um, I was really caught up in how good that was. Yeah, and it's uh, it's doing well, you know, worldwide also. I mean, the movie uh, it's it's under two hours long, which is great. About an hour forty five minutes. Uh, production budget one hundred seventy five million dollars. The effects in this movie are amazing. They are absolutely amazing. I was just really blown away by that as well. Uh, but well, know, being able to control every element of the yeah. of the CGI because yeah. he did everything with so much green screen, it yes. makes the 3D better. It's, yeah. it's almost the, you know animated is always better for 3D because of the way that you can ma- manipulate the image and have complete control over it. Favreau had that with these animals and his jungle setting. So, uh, did you get to see it in 3D? Because yep. I thought it was really impressive. Yeah, I did. I did. Yeah, and and to me, there are some some movies I don't want to see in 3D. Right. Uh, for this one, I, I would recommend. Yeah, go see this in 3D. It's worth it's worth the extra bucks. Yeah, it was really good. I enjoyed that a lot. I was and I was surprised. I, I wasn't really looking forward to it. I didn't think we needed another Jungle Book, but I, I really enjoyed the way Favreau told that story. Yep. Any others uh, that you want to talk about from the spring before we dive into uh, summer? Uh, that's pretty much all that really stood out. I didn't see anything, you know, from the film festival circuit. That whole Sundance and um, and South by Southwest circuit usually produces a title or two. Uh, there were a few that I was hoping to catch up with that haven't made it down by us. She had a movie called Sing Street that I really want to see that we haven't screened yet. I didn't get to see Midnight Special, though I've heard good things about it. Um, and we saw Green Room, um, which I thought was, was well done, but it's definitely not going to be for everybody. Okay, well, let's talk summer uh, or, uh, or late spring, early summer, the next few sure. weeks. Uh, uh, what are you looking forward to uh, the most uh, in, within the next month? Uh, I, I guess it is going to be Captain America yeah. Civil War. Um, yeah. I'm really interested to see from so many different perspectives, um, this is supposed to culminate, you know, a lot of what has happened in the Marvel Cinematic Universe up to this point. But the directors, uh, Joe and Anthony Russo, they did Captain America, The Winter Soldier, which I thought was one of the better Marvel movies. Um, they're directing this one. And then they're also going to be doing the two-part Avengers Infinity War, which comes out in 2018 and 2019. So, you know, from a, from a filmmaking standpoint, I really want to see how they're approaching this uh, juggling all of these heroes together because we've seen so many other films try and merge uh, worlds together and, and cram a lot of heroes on screen and they fumble. Uh, right. you know, we talked about Batman and Superman and, and its inability to sort of streamline that. And I want to yeah. see how they do that. Because for the Avengers Infinity War to succeed, you have to have a lot of heroes together going against Thanos, and I think that's going to really challenge these directors. Also, you know, they're bringing Spider-Man finally back into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and that's my guy. That's my hero. I love Spider-Man as a character, and I loved the Sony movies that they did with Andrew Garfield, and I, you know, I thought those were fun, but but people really disliked them, and it, that led to Sony giving Spider-Man back to Marvel, and so I cannot wait to see what Marvel is able to do with him. You know, in, in Spider-Man, you know, we've seen uh, what in the past twenty years we've seen three different incarnations of, of this right. character. What are your thoughts on that? Because you are a huge Spider-Man fan. 
I can't get enough. Okay. <laughs> I mean, okay. honestly, you could roll me out a new Spider-Man every year, and I'd be curious to see what the person's interpretation of it. Really? It's almost like okay. Bond. Yeah, t- to me, he's like Bond. <laughs> gotcha. I won't... I can't get enough Spider-Man films, but I completely understand if people are waving the white flag saying, look, I don't want to see this character anymore, no more of this. I just, I really enjoy this teenage underdog, you know, in over his head, uh, fighting everybody with a sense of humor. Um, and, and I don't think that they've perfected it on screen yet, too. There were problems with the Sam Raimi interpretation. There were some issues with the way Mark Webb interpreted it. Um, I enjoyed each of them for what they were, but I noticed their flaws. And now this is Marvel getting its first crack at, you know, at translating one of the, It's almost like if the Fantastic Four, which has been botched multiple times by Fox, <laughs> were able to come over to Marvel. Yeah. You'd be curious to see, like, yep. hey, can the guys who created Fantastic Four yeah. actually convert them to the screen? So Absolutely. Yeah. I'm excited. And you know what is really... Um, gotten me excited for it is the way that Marvel has uh, brought some of its heroes over to the Netflix side, too. I don't know if you're watching any of those shows. Oh, yeah, all of them. Every one okay. of them, yeah. So those are great, right? Yep. And Daredevil is really good, and the yep. way that they did The Punisher and Elektra and The Kingpin in that show is incredible. And oh, obviously, yeah. D'Onofrio is a great actor. So it just, I mean, Marvel obviously knows these characters in and out, knows every fiber of them. So, so when, they, when they put their efforts into and to bring them to the screen, I think I think it's the best of what we're going to expect. So I want to see Civil War for that reason. Yeah, and, and what I love about what they've done with the uh, the Netflix uh, incarnation, th- it's still part of the same universe. I mean, they right, even right. make reference to what's happened in the Marvel films, and I love that. I love the fact that that they they're they're allowing this to continue to live and breathe, and saying, "Hey, that that is continuing to happen here." I love sure, that. Sure, definitely. Yeah. But now, Civil War to me feels like Avengers two point five. Um, it really does. I mean, it really does, and, it, and you know, even in the posters, you know, you're seeing all these uh, all these uh, these characters. So, it, I think it's less of a, a Captain America film and more of a, another Avengers film. Do you do you sense that? And that's just, of course, we haven't seen it yet. We'll we'll see it next week at a screening uh, and know more. But but leading into it, I really feel that that's what we're looking at. I do sense that, although everybody involved with it has gone out of their way to make it known that it is a Captain America story, tried and true, and it's just. It's going to involve all these other characters, predominantly Iron Man. I mean, it's, I think it's exciting that Downey is willing to play along to the level that he is, you yeah. know, um, not making this, hey, this has to be Iron Man 4 if you're going to get me back. And that's the great thing about all of these Marvel heroes is these guys who are involved, these actors who are involved at all these different levels, they don't mind showing up different places, you know, even if it's for a bit part. You're going to see Paul Rudd in this one as Ant-Man. Yeah. You know, obviously he's coming off the success of his solo film, and his, yeah. they've already greenlit uh, a sequel for him too, but he doesn't mind coming in to play a few scenes. Uh, it's just fun. Everyone's collaborating for the right reasons. Yeah, and last summer for me, the, the, the film that I enjoyed the most, that I had the most fun uh, going to see was Ant-Man. I mean, I, yeah. I didn't have a whole lot of uh, high expectations for it, but went in and just, uh, you know, Thomas, my son, and I, we went to see it, and we both just walked away going, you know, that was just fun. That was yeah, just, that really was was. just enjoyable. They, they know how to make an entertaining film. Yeah, yeah. Well, another superhero film, you know, talk about, uh, about you know, high-name actors and actresses uh, doing superhero. I mean, Jennifer Lawrence, you know, coming back again and again and again for the X-Men franchise. You've got X-Men Apocalypse uh, coming out in May as well. Apocalypse will be really interesting, too, because it's supposed to be some type of closure for this um trilogy of films that they launched with X-Men First Class, which obviously included Days of Future Past, and now is going to conclude with Apocalypse. But they're also bringing back all of these younger versions of these classic X-Men heroes. We're going to get new Cyclops, a new Storm, a new Jean Grey, and what I think Fox wants to do from that point is build 
uh, a new series of films with that younger version. But what they're looking at, too, is Deadpool, like, which we've been talking about earlier. This is a movie that they thought they would roll out, uh, please a few fans. But now with the success of that film, you might see you know, a Deadpool sequel taking precedent over an X-Men sequel, right. which a couple yeah. of years ago would have been insane to see. Yeah, 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 wow. Uh, yeah. Okay. Other thoughts on uh, on the summer ahead um, and what you're uh, what you're really excited about? It's just interesting that like the, there are you know we we, we yell it at Hollywood for giving us um, more of the same with their brands, right? right. I mean, right. if you look at the big movies that are coming, it's it's Independence Day, you know, a sequel coming twenty years later. It's a reboot of Ghostbusters with a female cast. Yes, um, yes. Another Star Trek, you know, and, and the return of Jason Bourne. It's all of these movies that we feel like we've seen already in some stage. Um, but this is, at the same time, to turn it back on us, these are the movies that the audience has come out for. So I don't right. know. It, it's like a chicken or an egg problem. It sh- it, should Hollywood stop making uh, Fast and Furious 8, uh, or do they make it because these are the ones that, that the audiences want to see? I, I, I don't know the answer to that one. Yeah, and you know, and I have people talk to me a lot going, you know, why can't I see anything original? Well, you do, but but you've got to understand that these people are in it to make money. And yeah. uh, they're, if they're going to continue to push out the films that they feel are going to make the most money for them. Um, do you think uh, that we're going to see uh, the end of the um, the superhero franchise type films uh, any time in the next 20 years, or do you think that we've got a good 20 years' worth of, uh, of good stuff that's going to be going out there? Just based on, um, you know, on predictions, we're going to pull the, you know, get the magic eight ball out here. 20 is a lot. Yeah, it uh, is. It is. But they've already got them planned for, like, the next 10. So Yeah. Uh, I mean, the, the bubble's not going to burst before 10, because you're right. I mean, they, they're planning out. But, they, but everything, we've seen this industry just be cyclical, and... What was really popular in the 80s, um, you know, isn't popular now. And so I can't see them sustaining it uh, because nothing gets sustained. You know, it'll change in a certain extent. Um, What has to happen, I think, is the brands that are that are pushing forward these superhero movies have to change. And I and I think we've, we've talked a lot about Marvel on this show, but what Marvel, I think, wants to do is as they get through this phase three and gets into their phase four, um, they're going to change what a superhero movie means. Um, and with that, I mean, like, with Guardians of the Galaxy, yes. like, that's a superhero movie, yeah. but it's a sci-fi movie. Yep. Like, it could easily be like Star Wars. It could, you know? yeah, yeah. And they're going to start to introduce characters like Doctor Strange, which is going to get into mysticism uh, and the supernatural. They're going to introduce characters like Captain Marvel, who's going to be a cosmic superhero. They want to get into something called the Inhumans. So, you know, we're, we're going to label these superhero movies, but they won't be superhero movies the way that you think of them. They're going to, be, they're going to play with other genres. Um, and, and the smart ones do. You know, uh, Guardians plays like a, like a Star Wars movie. Some of them sometimes feel like they could have a Western feel to them. Uh, the Spider-Man movie that they want to make for next summer, they're already saying is going to feel like a John Hughes-type coming-of-age you know, so you're going to get these different genres explored, but they're going to be explored by characters that also exist in a superhero world. And so I just think, you know, the definition of superhero movie is going to be very different in 10 years from now than what it is today. Yeah, interesting, interesting thoughts. Uh, one last question I will throw out your way. Sure. You know, D, we talked about Marvel and the success of Marvel on the big screen. Um, now, DC has been able to have it on the TV screen. Uh, DC's had tremendous success. Um, you know, uh, with 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 home audiences, 
Marvel, not quite as much. I mean, you've, you've got Marvel's Agents of Shield, sure, uh, and then you've also, uh, you know, got going to have a spinoff of that. But but DC has really found a way to own uh, home screens. How have they been able to do that? Is that just because they that's what they've decided to go after for for so many years? Well, I, yeah, I think that as Marvel was pouring all of their attention and effort into their cinematic universe, DC was taking the time to develop the writers' rooms of those shows like Flash and Arrow and and build those up. Um, and you know, as well as I do, storytelling on a uh, syndicated, you know, weekly television right. show is spaced out so differently yeah. than the way that the movies are planned. And that's why um, with Marvel and DC, when you, they hear people talk about, hey, why can't you cross-pollinate these worlds? Um, it's, it's nearly impossible because of the, the schedule of, of just planning creatively you know, we can't have something happen in the movie affect the TV show because you might have two full seasons of the show happen before the next movie comes out, and so the characters can't play off of each other that way. I think it's smart that you keep them separate. I think with the Netflix shows, you might be able to have a character come across, you know, to a Marvel movie, but, but that's why you can't have the Flash, this Barry Allen that's, you know, the Grant Gustin character from the CW show, can't be the Flash in the DC movies because we won't see a Flash movie until 2018 right now. Right. So what would that character do? Exactly. It's really hard to do. So you almost have to pick one or the other. And where Marvel went so heavy into their films, DC wisely did TV, and they're doing really well with that. Now they're trying to figure out how to replicate that success on the big screen, but it's, it's such a different animal that you can't do that. Well, we will wait and see what will happen uh, with uh, the Marvel and DC universes on, uh, on film. Uh, there's a lot to see for the next 10 years. We know that for sure. Uh, Sean O'Connell, our guest here on Cinema Scene on WGWG.org. Uh, Sean and I both are members of the Broadcast Film Critics Association. You can also catch Sean uh, every Friday on WCNC uh, TV. That's the NBC affiliate in Charlotte. Uh, also, check out cinemablend.com. Uh, where else do you want people to uh, to follow you? You want to throw out a Twitter feed or anything else uh, you want to let people know about, Sean? I'm on Twitter. I'm, it's Sean underscore O'Connell. That's O-C-O-N-N-E-L-L. I don't use it all that often. I, I, sort of, I use it just to sort of share stories that we run on Cinema Blend that I find fairly interesting. But, you know, Twitter to me is... It's a dangerous place to be. <laughs> a lot of people who have a, a lot of strong opinions, and I don't necessarily want to get locked up in that. But you can follow me there if you want to read a lot of Hornets and Panthers. Hornets and Panthers talk from me on, on social media. All right. The best place, cinemablend.com, is probably uh, your suggestion, correct? Absolutely, yeah. All right. Sean, thanks, man. We really appreciate it. And thanks to our listeners. You can always email us at info at wgwg.org. Uh, you can listen to archive shows just by going to that very same website and, uh, and downloading any of those you'd like uh, on your run, on your walk, or uh, in your car. Till next time, I'm Noel Manning. That's Sean O'Connell, and you've been listening to Cinema Scene on WGWG.org. Till next time, that's a wrap.